When the New York Times Magazine released The Displaced over Thanksgiving of 2015, hundreds of people were introduced to the use of virtual reality for journalism. I can still recall returning from that holiday break to my graduate program in journalism and spending a fair share of class time discussing and engaging with virtual reality stories. But being the religion nerd that I am, I wondered how could VR engage religion stories? And then I found it, a full page color ad depicting the Kaaba in Mecca. The New York Times Magazine had produced Pilgrimage, a virtual reality film about the Hajj. I immediately found my Google Cardboard, downloaded the app to my phone, and eagerly anticipated my first experience of a virtual reality religion story. But I was less than impressed. Yeah, it was a rare look at Mecca, a city hidden away from non-Muslims. And yes, it was informative about the Hajj, which would be a great starting point for someone who knows very little about Islam. But I wanted more. What did I want, though? I couldn't figure it out. The video did do a lot of great things. The video does take you into the crowd of densely packed humans circling the Kaaba. You do get to go inside the great mosque and see street vendors who are often left out of photo depictions of the Hajj. Knowing a little bit of Arabic, I could even read the lips of people wishing me salam or peace. But in spite of all of this fantastic immersion, there was still something missing. Maybe it was the lack of narrative to the film. Or maybe it's the fact that virtual reality isn't as real as we like to think it is. Through the video, I couldn't touch the rocks atop Mount Arafat or feel the dusty air in my skin. I couldn't smell the blend of body odors or feel the press of other humans around me as I virtually traveled around the Kaaba. So how great is virtual reality for religion stories? That's the question we'll explore this month on Holy Media. And joining me to talk about virtual reality is Casey McGinnis. He joins me via Skype. Casey is a visual journalist based in Iowa City, Iowa. His photography and video has appeared in the New York Times, USA Today, NBC, and other publications. But most recently, Casey produced a virtual reality piece about churches shuttering their doors in rural communities using 360 video. So, welcome everyone to episode four of Holy Media, and welcome, Casey. Thanks for having me. So, just to kind of get started, because virtual reality is kind of a new, a new medium for, I think, the public. What is virtual reality? Okay, yeah, virtual reality is based off of two things. It's based off of the technology of uh, 360 photography, which is something that's existed for a while. Uh, real estate has used it, for example, uh, to you know give people a, a full spherical view of a space. And then based on your, your phones, your smartphone's built-in uh, accelerometer, which allows you to, um, allows the phone to read your inputs, your uh, motion inputs, so you can look around in the space. I guess from a photography standpoint, that's kind of where it starts. Uh, but virtual reality has been around for, for decades in, in various forms as far as, um, you know, illustration, uh, graphics, that sort of thing, video games. Um, 
they're way ahead of this and they're way ahead of photography in this. But for, for my purposes, that's what virtual reality is, is it's, um, it's not necessarily reality, but it is more immersive, I think is the right word. There's been so much discussion, I think, from like an academic standpoint about virtual reality as an empathy machine mm-hmm. and how virtual reality kind of taps into that human aspect mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. interaction more than traditional journalism. Yeah. In, in this case, the, the VR component is, I think, more powerful mm-hmm. because uh, a couple advantages that you have with this medium, one is it's always going to be really long shots. Uh, you need at least 20 seconds to get acclimated with the scene in, in virtual reality. In video, 20 seconds is a fairly long, long shot, time. but you really need about you know, 40 second to a minute long for each each individual shot. And so that, it kind of requires you to, you're not cutting, you're just not making all these cuts that you might be used to in video. Uh, and that allows you to, I think, let a story breathe a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and it also means you really need to focus, um, you really need to focus your storytelling too, because you're going to have those really long shots. This, this allowed me to do that, I think the most powerful part of that the 360 video was that that final audio from the last mass and I don't think that would have really fit it didn't fit in like a 2d story it mm-hmm. just didn't really it just didn't really fit there it just didn't really quite make sense but to put someone in that space and to give them that artifact of what the mass kind of sounded like in the past um, that was the most rewarding part of the project I think that's what made that more successful and and just but, to describe real quick yeah, um sure. For you know, for those listening, that the what you're seeing when this last mass audio is playing is just mm-hmm. an empty church. There's no yeah. pews. It's yeah. just the bare bones of the interior that yeah. you can see. Right. Much of the floor has been stripped. The ceiling tiles have been stripped. There's a little bit of scaffolding. The source that I'm talking to is walking through the scene. She's kind of taking it in. Uh, she's kind of the guide. And you have this audio from the very end of the last mass that was there. Um, the the priest who's giving the mass is, you know, he's getting emotional. Um, you can hear people, you know, sniffling and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Almost like a, I wanted to be sort of a memory artifact. Oh, nice. So would you, would you mind also uh, sharing the story of when you first kind of viewed this piece um you were you were in graduate school at the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and what your professor said yeah um so there's there's a couple clips i went to a couple churches i went to one church that had already closed that's where i did the last mass i did another i went to another church as part of this video that hadn't closed yet but mm-hmm. is scheduled to close and uh i just stuck a camera like in a pew um as this as the mass was being celebrated as the uh, altar boys were walking in as they're doing the processional, mm-hmm. the processional. and my my class watched this video it was kind of a rough cut and what the professor said was she she said I I responded to this in much the same way I responded when I went to church as a little girl and she no longer goes to church mm-hmm. uh, but she said I just like looked up at the ceiling because I was so bored uh, and it was she said it was almost like I had taken her to church I thought that was really, really funny. And that is, just she just responded in the way that she had always grown up, responding to going to church. 
and she was sitting down and it was as if she was kind of in a pew. It was, yeah, it was interesting. I just didn't expect that. Well, and I think, I, I think that that story perfectly illustrates what everyone, the hopes people have for the use of virtual reality in journalism. And then particularly with religion. I mean, if you, if you can get somebody who grew up Catholic to respond in that way to a a 360 video of the of a mass in a church what then can we do with virtual reality journalism about religion to increase religious understanding and religious literacy i mean i think i think it's another tool it can do a lot of the same things that traditional journalism and documentary can do I just think it captures people's attention more right now, mm-hmm. this moment. I don't know if, as a medium, it necessarily has any more significant advantages uh, than than just really good journalism in general. Um, I think really good VR can do the same things that really good just still photography can do. Okay. I, I do think... Again, it's it's a tool for immersion. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think for. It it does immersion differently than still photos than two D media do, and I do think it can give you that sensation of being in in church. Um, so it gives different sensations. And. Uh, I guess I was I more. I think it's always going to be used in conjunction with other media. Mm-hmm. I was also just thinking about two, for instance, you know. I've been to numerous Catholic masses in my life, but if I had never been to one, mm-hmm. seeing a still photo of a mass is not necessarily going to capture my attention or my um, sure. my emotive response mm-hmm. as much as I think having the the combined visual mm-hmm. audio experience of getting to see the whole scene and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I think that that may be true. It depends on how good the photo is. Though. Fair, that's fair. A really good, a really good, two D photo can take you there, and mm-hmm. it can transport you there better than than VR can. It ju- it just depends, you know. It just um, and I think there's going to be bad VR out there that is, you know, immersive. It mm-hmm. is immersive, but it can still just be kind of. I don't know. Like it can it can be done. It can be done poorly. So yeah, it it depends on. Uh, how good the person behind the camera, how good the producer is. As always, it's going to depend on that. Well, it's also interesting the different approaches to using VR. So, for instance, um, your story is more narrative Mm -hmm. and also um, a story done by um, part of Vice Media about Mm -hmm. um, voodoo in Haiti after the earthquake. Mm -hmm. That's also narrative. Whereas what the New York Times did with the Hajj was not very narrative. It was more like an educational video that I could see being in a museum. Yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah. so it was immersive in what the way that you're kind of talking about, but it was far more in like informational. I mean, not to say that an immersive narrative isn't informational because it very much is, but it's sure. doing it in a different way. Yeah. So I. I think it's interesting that we've already started to see kind of the different approaches um, to how VR is using religion, and I personally think the narrative style is more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, when I was viewing the Hajj 
um, VR story, it just felt, oddly enough, it felt very one-dimensional. Yeah. That's, no, that's exactly right. That's, that's 100% right. Yeah, it's, it really does depend on, this, on the storytelling. You can have... That's one of the approaches. I think it's a very automatic approach to VR is to use it for instructional purposes. Mm-hmm. That's a really important use of VR. It's very important that it's used for instructional purposes, um, especially in things like industry, maybe in policy, um, those sorts of things. Like, it's I'm really excited about the instructional uses of VR, but um, and tour guide. And that's sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Again, like, this all started. I mean, it didn't start with, but I mean, it was, you know, it was already really popular in real estate mm-hmm. because we want to give a guided tour. Um, and, uh, and churches too, actually. I went to a church website uh, for a, some basilica and uh, they had a, you know, a 360, you could see wow. like, the dome in 360. Huh. Thing. Um, that's, that's, that's a use that's a very automatic, that's a very, um, that's a use for VR that you can kind of see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the narrative use is, is, and you can do the photos too. You can have instructional photos. You can have, you know, a, a photo for how to put a Lego set together or something like <laughs> that. It's a really important use of photography. Um, but it just depends on what you're, what effect you're going for. Um, I think if people are watching the Hodge video and they're not necessarily connecting emotionally, but they're learning something, then that's that's fine too. That's a successful piece. It's also interesting too that just just like with photography or just like with written stories or even you know documentary videos, you're still not getting the full sensory experience of right. a religion, um, right. and and VR doesn't do that either. Right. So I mean we've kind of touched we've kind of talked around this a little bit, but is there really any benefit to doing a VR story over just a, another type of visual story? it depends on what you're going for again i think i think right now vr is in a place where it's it's much like uh how the gopro was used originally when it when it came out for sort of action extreme type Mm -hmm. things it's very good it's very good for that it is suited for that um but i think i think uh i do think it can be used really well for stories about um about spaces about environments, um, about instruction, if that's the story you want to tell um, in, in religion. I, I do think it can be a really successful medium. It's not going to replace any of the other media, um, at least as far as effect. It's not going to replace any of the other media. Um, but I do think it is a really good medium for religion stories. Um, well, I mean, you. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I was gonna because you had you had mentioned originally in your your reasoning for switching to a, a VR story of mm-hmm. um, a sense of place, or because yeah. you were working with um, a worship space. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And this and this medium is really good for establishing a sense of place, for establishing a sense of taking someone to church. <laughs> it just does that in a different way than. Than stills, mm-hmm. I think it also is really good for establishing a, a sense of um, uh, isolation. I just I just finished a project. It was in a really rural area, um, and um, 
you know, it's funny because when you're shooting that, you have to, you have to set the camera up, hit record, and then you have to, you have to like run away. <laughs> it takes, it takes, it took me like five minutes to find a spot where I could hide out of the sight of the camera. Cause it was just like in a prairie. There's nothing around there, no trees or anything. Um, and when you look at that, when I look at that video now, it's, it's almost like scary because you feel the sensation of just being completely alone, mm-hmm. especially when you're watching it in a headset. It can be, um, it can feel a little bit scary. Um, you almost want to fast forward because you feel just alone. It's not a, it's not a fun sensation. Um, you're being transported somewhere and you feel alone. So I think VR is working with those sensations. And I think, um, uh, a lot of religion stories overlap into all other kinds of stories. A lot of religion stories are also environment stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and VR is really suited, I think, for environment stories. Um, a lot of religion stories are, again, yeah, about spaces, about places of worship. Um, that's always a big thing in religion stories. Um, yeah, it's, it's about... Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a medium that allows you to kind of just be totally engulfed, you know, and I think, um, I think any story, any, any medium that can do that is, is suited to religion stories, because religion is something that, you know, in a lot of people's lives, it, it informs their whole lives, it engulfs their whole lives, and so a medium that can do that too is, I, I think is a good approach, I don't know yet, for sure, I'm not 100% sure of it, but I think, I think so. But I mean, at the same time, and this is a comment on any sort of media, um, that, you know, once again, to, to use the Hodge example of, mm, sometimes my internet connection isn't that great, and, and, and so it cuts out, and so even if you have created yourself, and, you know, you're kind of, like, using the Google Cardboard, and you're in your black space, black, like, black box space, and you have your headsets on, you're still gonna get jarred out of it, and reminded you're not actually there, because, we're still connected. You still have to stream it or right. download it, and that's. We all have right. our wonderful experiences with right. technology. <laughs> I think that's an important thing for, um, for myself as a photographer. I think for any photographer to understand that, um, you kind of have to be okay with that. You just kind of have to be okay with the technology is not always going to be there. Uh, it's just not always going to be perfect. There's going to be stitching issues. There's going to be, with VR right now in photography, there's always, um, sometimes the horizon isn't completely uh, even because mm-hmm. of the way that the uh, images are stitched together. Sometimes if someone walks too close to the camera, like part of their face will get kind of cut out for, for a second. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I'm learning to just kind of embrace that, to not be too particular about that right now because you have to be in touch with, you have to be in touch with the artifice. You have to be... Um, I'm looking for a quote that I wanted to pull up. Um, you have to be okay. You, you can't get too, I guess, I don't know, too confident in this, in any media's ability to completely, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely, out any sort of artifice at all. Yep. Of course. Oh, yeah, here's, here's the quote. Um... This is from let me look here real quick. From uh, Trinity Minha. I can send you his name. Trinity Minha. He wrote an essay called "Documentary Is Not a Name" in 1990, 
And he wrote that a documentary aware of its own artifice is one that remains sensitive to the flow between fact and fiction. In VR, you have to be comfortable with that, too. You have to mm -hmm. just be okay with the fact that, yeah, sometimes the something's going to cut out, the image isn't going to look right, uh, it's not going to be exactly like being there. Um, and... Uh, and that's okay. Well, and I think I, I think I think that quotation that you read and this discussion about artifice is also really important when it comes to the ethics of doing VR. Yeah. Um, simply because you know, as as a consumer, and keeping in mind that consumers, even though their internet connection may cut out and will remind them that they're not really someplace, but that as a consumer, you you take it as if because this is 360 video or virtual reality as if this is authentic right. and realistic right. um, in the way of actually experiencing it. But yeah. yet, you know, there's there's still framing and interpretation that's involved. Could... Yeah, totally. It's the same thing that we did with photography, you know, like with just with photography, we're assuming that this is we believe that because it was a medium that was directly related to the reflection of photons, uh, you know, that was actually directly related to physical space, it mm -hmm. was reflect. Um, we believe that it was real, that it was really, that it was real, and of course we know now that it's that it's not. Mm -hmm. That it's still there is still a degree of artifice to to photography. Um, not all photography is uh, photographic evidence, you know, and that includes in journalism too. Um, the best photographers, in my opinion, are the ones who who recognize that their voice is in their photography, and they welcome that in there. They don't have the sort of the sort of notion that they can present what's in front of their eyes completely just cold and without any sort of personal injection into that. Um, I think the more we, as a culture recognize that, that the person behind the camera is um, just as much a part of the photograph as what's in front of the lens, mm -hmm. uh, that um, that we as a culture can understand that with photography, we're going to have to have the same thing with virtual reality, understanding the same thing, because there is still framing, there's still a uh, narrative arc, there's still a story that you're trying to tell there. Um, yeah, all of, that is, all of that still carries over from photography. So virtual reality is it's a bit of a misnomer because still photography is virtual reality too. Yeah. Um, writing is virtual reality. <laughs> I don't really think necessarily it's the best uh, name for this medium um, because it just implies that it's more real than it, than it really is. Yeah, and not, and not to get too philosophical, but uh, <laughs> I mean, every even even a human's actual experience of something sure. is mediated. I'm. Sure. I'm in totally, my totally. I'm in my I'm in my theory class for my PhD right now, and we've been sure. reading about that. So, yeah, <laughs> sure. one of the things I also noticed about your production, and I think this when you were talking about being in the prairie, and it kind of reminded me of it too, of how through virtual reality you can emphasize silence and the power yeah, of silence yeah, yeah, sure. and how that then relates to religious stories of how mm -hmm. so often some of the most powerful moments in religious experiences are silent mm -hmm. and 
Mm. Not even really tangible experiences because you can't get into a person's mind of what they're experiencing at that point. It just has to be conveyed by silence. That's so cool. No, I haven't thought of that. It's <laughs> a really cool idea. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think a a person's obviously a person's entire religious experience is not inward. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not always the case. Obviously, a lot of a person's religious experience is outward, right? Um, and it's tangible. Mm-hmm. You know? There's not necessarily that spiritual and physical split, you know, that, yeah. that is assumed in our culture. So, um, but yeah, there's there's got to be an extent that there's things that can't be expressed with words. I think it's a really neat idea, something to explore. Um, the idea of silence, or um, or yeah, maybe it's something else, just kind of filling in that space. Um, I. I did a video, it's not out yet, but I just did a video that um, I had a little bit of a discussion um, with my other producer, so I wanted to, uh, it's an aviation piece, so you have the sound of the these engines, these really loud engines, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to, for the end, I wanted to cut the engines and just bring in this music that I found that I thought would be really appropriate for this, and we had, we had to talk for a while about, do we want to cut that sound entirely? And will that make it less immersive if we cut the engine sound and just have the music? Because obviously the, the dude flying the plane did not <laughs> hear that music. Yeah. That was a that was a editorial decision. Um, I think, in my opinion, it's more effective when you when you do that. And again, it's in touch with the artifice. It's in touch. It's in touch with the. Um, yeah, I, I think it it helps viewers know again that this isn't one hundred percent real. Um, and then we're making some some storytelling decisions here. Um, you can do it with music, and you can do it with silence too. I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I kind of feel as if you know, at last year when the the New York Times the displaced story came out, and everyone got their free cardboard uh viewer that it's just kind of exploded yeah and i i just would be curious to get your opinion if you're willing to share it about whether it's being overdone Mm, yeah (laughs) and they're trying to make stories vr that are meant more for other types of multimedia yeah yeah vr is totally in this like rock and roll phase right now like rock and roll and the with the 50s and 60s, it was kind of just like, we don't know what works, so we just do whatever, mm-hmm. and then something works, and it's great, you know? Um, I don't know who said it, but today, like, rock and roll is dead today, because we know what works, <laughs> we figured out the formula, and no one is really trying anything different anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the VR is in a really cool place where it's just like, we don't really know everything that works yet, so I think it's great. I mean, I think it's great that there's going to be, there are going to be duds. There's going to be a lot of really bad uh, VR out there. I will be responsible for some of it, I'm sure. Uh, and that's okay. It's just kind of, we're just, we're just in that place where it's, it's a fun new medium that we're trying out new things with. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this place hit a really sweet spot in the medium. Uh, did a lot of really cool things in the medium, but even that 
they can stretch that so much more. They can do even more powerful things than that. Um, you know, with 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 new technologies as they're developed. But yeah, it's it's just a fun you know fun new medium that's gonna that's gonna be experimented with a lot. And I'm excited to experiment with it from a religion standpoint as much as I can. Why why are you excited to experiment it with it from a religion standpoint? Because that's what I that's what I feel the most comfortable covering in general. Because mm-hmm. the kinds of stories that I um, that I feel like I can that I'm excited to work on that I'm familiar with. Um, I'm a member of the Religion News Association, uh, which is having its annual conference. I think they just had it this last weekend in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. In Silver Spring, yeah. Were you there? No, I went no. last year. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so I'm a member of that organization and, and, uh, I, you know, I, I really like religion journalism, so I just want to see it used. Um, I love religion visual journalism when it's done well. Um, and I think it can be done well in VR too. It's just another, you know, it's the same reason like, I'm not as excited about VR and sports, but I know there are people who are super excited about that. And that's great. There's going to be some awesome, awesome sports journalism done in VR. Uh, I'm not sure if any of it has been done yet, but I'm sure it is going to be done. Mm-hmm. That's just exciting for journalists. What is it about VR in particular when it comes to covering religion that makes you the most excited to, to experiment with this in religion stories? Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, again, exploring the idea of, of taking someone to church, of mm-hmm. taking that professor to church, um, using that as a framework of taking people to the experiences of people from other from other faiths not taking them to their place of worship not literally taking them to church that's not the most exciting thing but bringing people into that uh, that experience that religious experience that, that a lot of people have that people who are different from you have that's exciting and I think again I think any media can do that um, VR can just do it in a different way and I'm excited to explore how to do it I'm excited to explore giving someone the feeling of what it feels like to 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 go on Hajj mm-hmm. and I think that's out there I think that's those sorts of stories are out there and those are that's what journalism is for thank you so much for doing this yeah thank you appreciate it you're a nerd a nerd you're a nerd so for this episode's uh, religion nerd moment, we're actually going to do a little bit of time traveling. We're going to go all the way back to episode two uh, when Jeremy and I discussed religion and comic books. So if you recall, we actually uh, talked about a character named Kamala Khan, who is a Pakistani-American Muslim teen superhero who goes by the name of Marvel. Uh, I had a huge religion nerd and fangirl moment this week. Uh, because I got to meet G. Willow Wilson, who is the author of Miss Marvel. She came to speak at the University of Colorado Boulder about Kamala Khan, and I really enjoyed uh, how much she was a millennial lover. As a millennial, it was really nice um, to hear her speak fondly of um, my, our generation. Um, And during the event, I actually live-tweeted from the new Holy Media Twitter account. So I will post a couple of those tweets 
um, on the show notes along with some photos from the event. And I'd love to hear if you guys had a religion nerd moment this month. Uh, if you did, please share it in the comments on the site at holymedia.com or tweet it to at holymedia using the religion nerd hashtag. And that wraps up this month's episode. So thanks for listening. And I hope you join me again next month um, because we're actually going to have a special treat for October. Uh, October's episode is going to be about religion and horror. But the topic isn't actually the special treat. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Um, But I'll give you one clue about the treat. The Twitter account at BG Horror. So look it up. Check it out and get excited for one spooky October episode. But until then, I'm Ashley Campbell, and this is Holy Media. Thanks for listening to this episode of Holy Media. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at holymedia.com. That's W-H-O-L-Y media.com. And please leave a comment. I'm always looking for for feedback. You can also start a conversation about this episode's topic on Twitter. The show Twitter handle is at holymedia. It's a new Twitter account, so please share your love of the show with others. And as always... You can find the show on SoundCloud, the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, and now we're on Google Play. If you enjoy Holy Media, I also ask that you rate and comment about the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Those ratings actually help the show gain an audience and provide me with feedback about what I'm doing well and what I could improve on. If you leave a comment, I'll make sure to thank you on next month's show. Lastly, I'd love to get more audience engagement and provide you with mini episodes during the month between each full episode. To do this, I'm asking that you submit a question you have about religion and media using the contact form on the website. These can be questions about past episodes, specific representations of religion in the media, or even a religious literacy question like, what is Taoism? Using these questions, I'll produce a very brief 5-10 to minute mini episode so that you all have something to listen to while I work on the main feature for the month. So send in your questions to holymedia at gmail.com or use the contact form at holymedia.com. The beer that I have in my... I'm just going to say the beer that I have in my fridge right now is, um, is by a brewery called Exile Brewery here in Iowa, and it's called Beatnik Sour. Um... Maybe that fits. It's kind of, it's kind of a hip new trend. Sours are kind of like a trend right now. Um, that we don't know if they're gonna play out or not. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that. No, I like it. More and this is holy media.